Thank you again for joining us. Uh, we are actually going to be switching it up a little bit this week. Uh, I am your lone pastor this weekend. Pastor Shane and Pastor Don are on some much-needed vacation time. Uh, and if you've been with us over the last few weeks, you know that we've been in a series on love. The series is called Love comes to town. Uh, But this week, we're actually taking a break from that series, but don't fret. Pastor Don will be back to finish his series in a couple weeks. Um, But again, this week, we're going to be looking at the fruits of the Spirit. We're not wandering too far from this series on love. We're not wandering too far from those topics. Uh, But again, we're going to be looking at um, a different passage this morning. Um, We're going to jump into it this morning. Uh, We're going to be reading from the book of Galatians. Uh, But to start our big idea, we can't produce fruit without the Spirit. We cannot produce fruit without the Spirit. And our passage for this morning comes from Galatians chapter 5. If you want, you can open up to that with me. I believe we have the scriptures on the screen as well. But this is what it says. Galatians 5, starting in verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, uh, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Let's pray together as we jump in. Father, We come to you this morning and we just ask that you might challenge us. You might put something on our heart this morning that would give us a new perspective, that would make us stop and think about the way that we live our life, Father. And as we do that, we ask that you would help to make Jesus the number one priority in our life, Father, because Lord knows that we need that. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
For those of you who don't know me, my name is Pastor Ben. I am the youth pastor here at Oakwood, and that essentially means that I get to work with our middle schoolers, our high schoolers, and our college students. Uh, I love my job. I love getting to hang out with those age groups, Uh, but oftentimes my sermon illustrations revolve around those ages. They revolve around middle schoolers or high schoolers or college students. Uh, So today, one of the things that we're going to be talking about is definitely geared towards them. And as we talk about the fruits of the Spirit, I think oftentimes we as Christians fall into this pitfall of thinking of them in a way that I used to think about one of my favorite hobbies. Uh, And for those of you who may not have known me when I was a middle schooler, we used to collect Pokemon cards all the time. Collecting cards is not a new hobby. Uh, My dad grew up collecting baseball and football cards. I'm sure if you uh, were a middle school or high school boy at what time, maybe you collected cards as well. But my friends and I would spend our summers playing the Pokemon games and collecting the cards. And the way it works is you would go to the store, you would pick out a packet of these cards. You had no idea what was in it. You'd go up to the counter, and as soon as they said, okay, these are yours, now you would tear it open, you would look through the cards and see if you got anything new. And our goal as a friend group was to collect all the cards. If you ever watched the show, the catch line was, you gotta catch them all. And for us, we wanted to have every single card that was available. And I think as we start this conversation on the fruits of the Spirit this morning, we need to make sure that we don't take the same approach to these fruits of the Spirit. This passage in Galatians is walking us through this battle that rages inside each and every one of us. There's the one side that is the flesh, and then there's the other side that is the spirit. And we're told that each of these have a different set of fruits, a different set of behaviors or attributes that are attached to one or the other. And and we're told in this passage that we have this ongoing battle within us between these two sides. And when I was younger, we would want to collect all these cards and make sure that we had the coolest ones. And if our friends had a cooler card, we wanted to make sure that we would try to trade with them. And we'd get together as a group and we'd say, maybe if we give him three of these not-so-cool cards, uh, he'll trade us for his cool one. And with the fruits of the Spirit, if we're merely looking at it as a list of things that we want to avoid and a list of things that we want to grab and hold on to and achieve— We're looking at the fruits of the Spirit in the wrong light. If we look at the fruits of the Spirit as just something that we collect, just something that we can show to other people and say, look at all these cool things I have because I'm a Christian. I have peace. I have patience. I have self-control. I have joy. I can dance in the Spirit. I have all of these fruits of the Spirit. Look at me. We are looking at this passage in the wrong light. So my friends, uh, you may be older than I am and you have no idea what Pokemon is or maybe you were born before I or after I was and you know, you don't even know what Pokemon is yet. Here's what I want you guys to take away from this illustration. We don't want to just look at this list of things as something to collect. Whatever that is for you, whether it was cards or maybe it's just knickknacks, whatever you have sitting on your shelf at home, we don't want to look at this list as just a collection. So to start off our conversation, I want us to look at some things that the fruit of the Spirit are not. 
I want us to make sure that we have a clear understanding of how we shouldn't look at this passage. So the first thing on our list, the fruits of the Spirit are not a list of ways to earn God's love. This is something that challenges me deeply because oftentimes I have this picture in my head of God that's such a destructive picture, such an untrue picture of who God is. And this picture is of God who who sits in heaven with a checklist. And when I do something positive, he gives me a, a check on the positive side. And when I do something negative, he gives me a check on the negative side. And this is such a a poor understanding of who God is. But if we look at the fruits of the Spirit in this way as just a list of ways to earn God's love, we're not understanding this passage well. And this isn't a, a new line of thought. This isn't a new thing that people struggle with. In the ancient Egyptian culture, they actually had this belief that when you died— your soul would be put on a scale and on the other side of the scale would be a feather. And if you lived your life well, if you did good things, if you had more positive things that you did in your life versus negative things, then your soul would be lighter than the feather and you would get to go to the positive place. But if you're out, your deeds, your bad deeds outweighed your good deeds, then you wouldn't be able to pass. You wouldn't be able to go into the good place in their culture. So if we merely look at the fruits of the Spirit as just a list of ways to get those positive check marks from God, we're we're understanding God incorrectly, but we're also understanding the fruits of the Spirit incorrectly. So first thing on our list, the fruits of the Spirit are not just a list of ways to earn God's love. I know that I struggle with this one. I know that many of you probably struggle with it as well. But we need to try to erase this negative picture of God in our head. The second thing that the fruits of the Spirit are not. How to tell if I am a good Christian. I know many of us fall into this pit because we're so used to a performance-driven culture. We're so used to a culture that is purely driven based on performance. A couple examples. If I get an A— That means I'm a good student. Second example, if I work hard as an employee, then I might get a promotion or I might get a pay raise. Another one, if I play well on my team, then I will become a starter. And this is the ethos, this is the the thought process that much of the world we live in around us has. It's if I do A, my result will be B. And for the fruits of the Spirit, many of us fall into this trap of believing, as long as I stick to the positive list, that means I can call myself a good Christian. If, as long as I stick to the, the positive things that are the fruits of the Spirit, and not the works of the flesh, that means that I can proclaim that I am a good Christian, and my work here is done, and I can rest easy. But this is a troublesome thing that we can fall into, friends. We should not use the, li- the fruits of the Spirit as purely a way to tell if we are a good Christian. That is not what they're meant for. The third thing on our list today that the fruits of the Spirit are not is this. Just a checklist of tasks to be completed. 
if we read through this passage in Galatians and our takeaway is this. Well, today I need to make sure that I'm kind at some point. Today I need to make sure that I have peace in my life somewhere mixed in there. I need to have some joy. I I need to show self-control in certain areas of my life. And as long as I can check off each one of these things, then that is what Jesus truly wants for me in my life. This is our third thing that I want us to understand, that the fruits of the Spirit are not meant to be. Jesus' picture for our life is so much bigger than just a checklist. But we as Christians can fall into this temptation— whether it's any three of these things, whether it's just a list of ways that God can give me a positive check mark in heaven, and maybe when I get to heaven, my positive list will outweigh my negative list. Or maybe it's how to tell if I'm a good Christian. If I go to church and people see that I'm patient, maybe they'll view me as a good Christian. Or maybe it's just me, and I want to make sure that I have my checklist checked off for the week so that I can say, okay, I don't know if I have guilt or what the reason is, but I need to check off my checkbox. Sometimes I think that I'm I'm one checklist away from going crazy. Uh, I need a checklist to organize just about everything in my life. Usually a work week will uh, have a checklist, and as long as I get that checklist done, I'm okay. My wife and I will have a checklist of things we need to do. We need to pack. We need to clean. We need to feed the dog. As long as my checklist is done, I'll be okay. But my friends, if we understand the fruits of the Spirit this way, it's not a complete picture of the fruits of the Spirit. To help us better understand what the fruits of the Spirit are, I want us to use this analogy of a tree. I want us to understand that each and every one of us are a tree. If you're sitting next to someone at home, feel free to point at them right now and say, you are a tree. You may not want to say you look like a tree, but just say, you are a tree. This is the analogy, this is the metaphor that I want us to run with this morning because in a lot of ways, this is the metaphor from the passage. And there's a few truths about trees that I think that we can translate into this passage. There's a few truths about how a tree works and operates that I think can be helpful for us as we think about the fruits of the Spirit. The first thing is this. As a tree, if, if you yourself are a tree, you do not choose your fruit. I'll say it again. If you are a tree, you do not choose your fruit. If you look out in your backyard and last week you had an apple tree, there's no way that when you look out in your backyard today, that apple tree is now growing lemons. If you have one of those, make sure you cut it down and you sell it to somebody because that's a one in a lifetime tree that also does lemons and apples. A tree will only produce the fruit that it's meant to produce. The second thing is this. Fruit grows naturally. Fruit grows naturally. Uh, I don't know about you, but when I look in my backyard, I've never seen a tree just sitting there like flexing, just like, I need to grow fruit. I'm trying really hard. Like, I've never seen that even one time. If you see that, make sure you take a picture and send it to me because I'd love to see a tree flexing, trying to grow some fruit. A tree grows fruit 
naturally. It's not something that they have to try really hard at. It's not something that they have to focus all their energy on and just really pay attention to. A tree grows fruit naturally. The third point that I want us to understand about trees is this. Trees need to be watered. If you've ever planted a baby tree, then there's a good chance you understand how much water it actually takes for a tree to grow. Many trees have root systems that go way beyond what you can see on the surface. They're three or four or five times larger than the tree on the surface is the root system below. It needs to be so ingrained in the earth that it actually sucks water and brings that water back to the tree. But a tree needs to be watered. All right, so if you're tracking with me so far, you understand that you yourself are a tree for this illustration and that you have three truths that you can understand about yourself. First, you don't choose your fruit. Second, fruit grows naturally. And third, trees need to be watered. So how can we make sense of this? First, you do not choose your fruit. As a Christian, we have to choose, are we going to walk in the Spirit or are we going to surrender to our flesh and our desires? Because if we are a tree that is led by the Spirit, we have no choice but to choose the fruits of the Spirit. But if we're a tree that has succumbed to our flesh and our desires, we have a strong struggle with trying to produce good fruit. Oftentimes our fruit is that of the flesh. So that's our first truth this morning. If you are a tree and you choose to be led by the Spirit, if you've asked Jesus to be your Savior and you have made that transition in your life, you will grow the fruit. You will grow the fruit of the Spirit. That's not something that you have to choose to do. It'll be a natural outpouring of your relationship with Jesus and a relationship with the Holy Spirit. The second thing, fruit grows naturally. Oftentimes as Christians, I know that I fall into this, I want to make sure that I am trying my best, I am doing everything I can do to do positive things to follow the rules that are set forth in the Bible, to to make sure that I'm treating others the way that I believe Jesus wants me to treat them. And if we're not careful, this becomes our entire Christian walk. It's no longer about a relationship with Jesus. It's only primarily about making sure we do good deeds. If we're not careful, our relationship with Jesus, this thing that we call Christianity, can just become us sitting in our backyard, flexing really hard, trying to produce the fruits of the Spirit. But that's not what we're called to do. If we truly walk in the Spirit, our fruit will grow naturally. Our good deeds, the way that we treat other people, will naturally be an outpouring of our relationship with Jesus. And the last truth about our trees is this. Trees need to be watered. And if we do not intentionally take time to water our tree ourselves, then we will die. We will oftentimes veer towards our flesh desires and veer away from the spirit that is supposed to be leading us. 
It's interesting in this passage, it talks about us being in step with the Spirit or walking with the Spirit or depending on your translation, being led by the Spirit. This is an active thing that we get to participate in. But if we don't take the time to water ourselves, then we'll oftentimes, knowingly or unknowingly, move towards those fleshly desires. So let's look at some ways that we can walk in the Spirit. If we follow this analogy through, we're, we're looking at ways that we can continue to water our tree. The first thing is this. We need to make sure that we have an active prayer life. Again, this is something that challenges me on, on a weekly basis. Even in quarantine, even with the, the global things that are happening around us, it feels like there are a million things to do. It feels like, oh boy, I've got to get the kids ready. I don't have kids, but I'm speaking for you now. I've got to go to work. I've got to, uh, you know, do a million different things at home. I need to make sure the puppy's fed. I need to make sure that the car gets the oil changed because it's needed that for a long time. I need to make sure that the brakes are changed because every time I press on the brakes, I hear a squeak. I have a million different things to do. But if we don't take time in our Christian walk to stop and engage God in prayer, then we are failing to water our tree. If we don't stop to take time to engage God in prayer, we are failing to water our tree. For many of us, prayer can be as simple as just praying on our way to work. For many of us, it's as simple as taking the time to pray with our children before they go to sleep. For many of us, it can be as simple as just sitting down with our spouse and praying together before meals. I would encourage you on top of that to just Make sure that you are setting a time aside each day for you to engage God yourself. Make sure that you set time aside each day for you to engage God in prayer. The second way that we can water our tree is this. We need to make sure that we are engaged in Scripture reading. I know for our students especially, this is a challenging thing to do. Uh, This book was written uh, thousands of years ago in some cases, and it can be hard for us to understand. It can be something that is challenging for us to comprehend and to actually weed through sometimes. But it's so important for our relationship with Jesus, for our walk in our own faith, that we spend time in Scripture reading. Many of us uh, love this verse that says that we need to meditate on the Word day and night. We need to actually spend time thinking about it. What happens when we spend time in Scripture is that God finds ways to challenge us. God finds ways to encourage us. God finds ways to reaffirm our faith. God finds ways to challenge us to make us think deeper. And in this way, we we start to produce more fruit because we are watering our tree. The third thing is this. We need to be an active part of a Christian community. I know many of you have heard this before. I've been guilty of saying it myself, but something along the lines of, my church is X. And what I mean by that is someone will say, and I've said this before myself, my church is when I'm out in wilderness. Or my church is when I spend time in the coffee shop reading my Bible. Or my church is fill in the blank. And many of us have a well-meaning behind what we're trying to express. We, we, we're trying to say that we, we connect with gods in these areas of our life, and that's a positive thing. We connect with God through all sorts of different avenues. 
But if we try to replace that with a Christian, if we try to replace a Christian community with any of those things, we're going to miss the mark. If we try to replace a Christian community with fishing, we're going to miss the mark. If we try to replace a Christian community gathered together with a coffee shop and reading our Bible, we're going to miss the mark. And for many of us over the last few, few months, the only way that we're able to gather in a Christian community is online, which is a beautiful thing. But my friends, if we don't take time to engage that Christian community online, if we don't take time to gather as Christians on a normal Sunday when the world isn't falling apart and crazy— then we're not going to be able to water our tree effectively. Christian community helps us to be challenged. If I'm out fishing, there's no one there to tell me, Ben, are you really sure that that's a positive decision? There's no godly counsel that can tell me, hey, you know, maybe you should do X because I think I see you doing Y. There's no person there to help encourage me in my faith and to just spur me on to good works. Christian community fills a necessary void in our life that if we avoid, we will fail to water our tree. And this brings us to the point, really the the crux of the message today, and that is this. The goal is not fruit. The goal is Jesus. I'll say it again. The goal is not fruit. The goal is is a relationship with Jesus. I think that many of us sometimes get that confused. We read through this passage and we have a list of things that we're supposed to do. We're supposed to avoid these certain things, whether it's sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, all these big words. We want to avoid those and we want to make sure that we're going towards peace, patience, kindness, self-control, And and we have this picture in our brain that as long as I avoid those and and I I tend towards these things, then that is a summation of my relationship with Jesus. Then that is the point of my relationship with Jesus. And this is the, the, the truth that you have to walk away with. Jesus's desire for our life is not a bunch of good deeds. Jesus's desire for our life is not just to avoid a bunch of of bad deeds or a bunch of bad mentalities. Jesus wants a relationship with you. Jesus wants the Holy Spirit to be a part of your life, to be indwelt in you. And and if we switch these two things, our religion, our beliefs, it it becomes crazy. It becomes becomes something that's that's just a a works-based faith. If we spend all of our time focusing on, oh, well, I just need to make sure I do the right things. I just need to make sure I'm patient with that guy. Uh, Ben, if you knew the people I worked with, you'd understand why I wasn't patient. If you knew the people that uh, lived in my home, you'd understand why sometimes I have anger. If our relationship with Jesus is nothing but just trying to come up with a, a list of good things and stay away from a list of bad things, then we've missed the point. The goal is not fruit. The goal is Jesus. We're going to be reading from the book of John, uh, John 15. It says this, starting in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. 
He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So are you already clean because of the word I have spoken to you? Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I loved you. Now remain in my love. I think it's very possible that the the author in the book of Galatians is, is referencing this passage that Jesus is speaking about. When he talks about fruit, he gives us the signs of what it really looks like for someone to pursue a relationship with Jesus, for someone to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This passage is telling us that if you have a relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit is inside of you, then these are the fruit that you will see in your life. You will have patience. You will have self-control. On down the list, these are the things that will be evident in your life. And this passage gives us a pretty harsh reality that if we're not bearing fruit, we'll be pruned away. But here's the encouragement that I want us to walk away with. This is a call to authenticity. This is a call for us to have an authentic faith, an authentic relationship with Jesus. This doesn't mean that we're never going to mess up. This doesn't mean that sometimes our life has these, the things that the flesh desires and these actions and these issues in our life that we have to wrestle with. That doesn't mean that we're always going to have the best fruit. But what it means is that if we truly pursue Jesus, if we truly love his word and spend time in prayer and start to develop these fruit, that it's going to be something that happens naturally. Over the course of your relationship with Jesus, you will continue to bear more and more fruit. And it doesn't mean you'll never mess up. It doesn't mean that you'll never have struggles, but it means that you will continue in that relationship with Jesus. And as we close this evening, I just want us to think about this concept, and that's of this. It's the unlived Christian walk. The unlived Christian walk. For me, this was a big challenge in my life that I had to come to grips with. And that's this. Christianity is not going to church on Sundays. Christianity is not having a list of positive things. Christianity is not doing more good things than bad things in my life. Christianity is purely having a relationship with Jesus. If we make it purely about anything else, we're missing the mark. And I think that there are many Christians today who have an incorrect understanding of what their faith is about, what the foundation it's built on. 
And this unlived Christian walk is marked by a bunch of people running around trying to do positive things because they believe it's in the name of Jesus. But if these people don't have a relationship with Jesus, then they've completely missed the ball. I'm going to invite our worship team back up and I'm going to close us in prayer this morning, but I would just challenge you in your own life Are you living the unlived Christian walker? Is your life marked by just trying to do a bunch of positive things and avoid a bunch of negative things? My hope for you is that it's not. My hope for you is that your life is marked by a life that is so full, that is so full of fruit from the Holy Spirit's work in our life and, and our relationship with Jesus that the fruit is not a burden to you. The fruit is something that is uplifting to you. The fruit is not something that wears you down and and makes you second guess what your thoughts are and your beliefs and makes you feel guilty, but the fruit is something that you get to enjoy. Peace, joy, kindness, love, these are things that we should enjoy as Christians because we are in a relationship with Jesus. My friends, the fruit of the Spirit are something that we should look at and we should look at our life and honestly say, Lord, sometimes I don't see fruit. Sometimes I don't see patience. Sometimes I don't see joy. Sometimes I don't see love. And the solution to that is not me trying harder. The solution to that is not me striving in my own will and my own attempts to be a good person. But the only way for me to bear more fruit, see more fruit in my life, is to become deeper in love with you. To spend more time with you, to spend more time in prayer, to spend more time in reading my Bible, to to be fully engrossed in that relationship with you. My hope is that you've found that in your own life. Let me pray, and then we'll continue to worship together through songs. Dear Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to be here this morning. We thank you for each of the people online who are watching in their families and uh, watching in their living rooms, in their homes, that they might be challenged by this message this morning that as we look at the fruits of the Spirit, it's not just a list of negative and positive things, but Lord, it's deeper than that. It's, it's what happens in our life when we truly love you, when we truly pursue you. And Father, we ask for forgiveness because there are so many times where we mess up. There are so many times where we need your love and forgiveness, Father. So we ask for that this morning. We fully admit that we're not perfect people. But Father, we would just ask that you would make it clear in our life where we are bearing fruit and where we are not. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.